the way I look at it is like, this guy's trying to take my life and there's only one of us that's gonna die in there and it's not me. But then I remember after my last knockout, the guy was in quite a bad way. Got a little bit emotional. It's weird. A couple of days afterwards, as soon as I found out he was okay, that's when I experienced the happiness. Like when I, when it was okay, I was like, yes, sick knockout. But then at the time, like, fuck. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? The thing is, I feel like five years is a long time. What, what I'm capable of doing, I just don't see a limit for myself, you know? And like, I've got a creative mindset to be able to create beautiful, beautiful shows out there, honestly. I feel like that's, that's where I see myself. I see myself having just interesting fights. Fight of the year contenders in the UFC. That's it. Yeah, I feel like it set everyone back a lot as well. Like I stopped training pretty much throughout the whole time, so. Well, you didn't train at all during the lockdowns? Um, at the start I did. So like when they opened up the gyms for a little bit, I'd go for a few weeks and then another lockdown will come. And then after that lockdown will finish, try and go again. But after like the third or fourth lockdown. You just lost hope. That's it. I was like, okay, we're never, we're never gonna get normal again. Uh, and what were your plans and goals before that as well? Because obviously you're doing bits now that we'll talk about later. For sure, bro. It's just my plans was greatness, man. It sounds <laughs> like uh, pretty optimistic, but even now that's it. Like just to just to attack everything, to be honest. Like one step at a time, nothing like crazy, but the end goal is just to try and master my craft, you know? Mm -hmm. And I completely lost that. Like I, I gave up on it up until the start of this year, so... So what brings you to Thailand so often? You said you've been three times this year. Mm. What makes Thailand, obviously we, we met in Thailand. Yeah, man, that was special. Yeah. Nothing will beat that trip though. I'm not going to lie. Like the last three or four times has been good, but that first trip where we met, where you taught me boxing, mm -hmm. special, honestly. Yeah, well, it's probably where you improve so much as well with a lot of things. And when you come back and you experience, you know what you're expecting. You haven't got that buzz. Like where we, when we met, Mm. Everything was new. Everything that we did was for the first time, going to all the new gyms, all the beaches, you know? Yeah. Like, when you go back and you just, you know, you got all the nostalgia, it's completely different. To, but, yeah. Are you at Tiger Muay Thai when you go out there? Or was you at um, um, Ratachai? Ratachai, yeah. Like, it's a smaller Muay Thai gym. It's about 30 people per class, but the trainers there are absolutely elite. Like, you have a few Lumpini uh, champions as well. And what's that? And they, so Lumpini is the, um, it's the uh, big uh, championship in Bangkok. So it's basically the highest award uh, for a Muay Thai fighter in Thailand. It's kind of like, um, yeah, it's just like a world title in boxing. Mm -hmm. It's like that level, like a lot of Western fighters that are into Muay Thai, they could only dream of like becoming an Lumpini champion. And I think this um, gym has like about three or four. Oh, wow. I know. And I'm lucky that I get to spar with them sometimes as well. Mm -hmm. It's like the knowledge they have and they could just see everything going on. It's like, it's crazy. So let's talk about Muay Thai a bit because you're the first mm. person that's competed in Muay Thai that's been on. Sick. What's the, first of all, go over the rules. What's the, what's the difference in that compared to other martial arts? So Muay Thai, I'd say it's, um, it's a slower game than a lot of the other games. So like MMA, boxing, K1. This is what my coaches say. They say it's a lot slower and it's more, you have to look, 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 rather than go, go. So the rules are you can use all eight limbs. So eight limbs would be your elbows, your knees, 
uh, your legs and then your arms. And well, you can't use your head, but I mean, everything else is pretty much available for you. And it's, yeah, it's, um, it's really freeing being able to use everything because it's like, you don't have to restrict yourself when you're moving. You're like, okay, I'm in this position now. I can just throw a kick. I'm in this position now, just throw an elbow. And it's a bit like, less footwork, right? It's like, it's because they, they have they their front, it, yeah, the tap of the front, uh, front mm. leg, right? Yeah, and they time it to the music as well. Mm. So you know you hear that crazy music, it's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I'm at a Muay Thai event, I'm like, this shit's driving me crazy, mm. right? But then when you're in there, it's kind of like, it's like a war cry, isn't it? You're mm. like, you feel the shit like with your heart beating. And it should be less footwork. But with my style, my coach, you say this as well, I'm not really a Muay Thai style fighter, but it's just because I love the rule set that I can still use my style and compete in Muay Thai. So I still like using like a lot of footwork, like movement, everything like that. But traditional Muay Thai is, you stand there like this, nice, like heavy guard, just tapping your foot like this. And you're looking, you're looking for openings, jab, prod a little bit, prod a little bit, throw a little tape, just to like see what's available. You know what I mean? Is there a lot of feints in Muay Thai? Crazy amount of feints. Yeah. The best fighters like Sanchai, I'd use for example, mm -hmm. he's constantly feinting and baiting everything. Like he's looking at you and it's not even just the feints, it's like he's taunting you. Like he'll, um, sometimes he'll pull his shorts up and that's like, okay, it's go time. And then he'll feign like he's about to hit you really hard and then hit you with something soft. And then it's just that change of or rhythm. Just to play with you. Just exactly. to play with your psychology. Mm. And wow. that's a beautiful, like, I feel like it's a beautiful way to fight, especially even if you're transitioning to MMA, which I want to do eventually, because you learn the game so much slower that when it comes to striking and even a little bit of grappling with like clinching and everything, you learn everything slower. So when it comes to when it comes time to you know speed it up and in MMA it's like a lot faster pace you'll have all those two tools and you'll be able to use it uh, in that setting autopilot yeah bro mm -hmm. 100% so your fights you were your first fight you were mismatched weren't you mm. um, what 3 years ago now something like that yeah do you want to talk a bit about that yeah go for it um so exhibition fight in Thailand as well uh I hadn't actually trained for it either. I was kind of on like a party vibe when I was there, like eating ice cream, everything like that. I thought, okay, it's just, it's just gonna be another beginner I'm fighting. It's not gonna be that deep. And um, I mean, I've never experienced such a like tiring experience in my life. Like after the first round, I was gassed and I still had to keep going, keep going just to get to the final bell. I remember when the final bell went, I just collapsed on the ground like, fuck, it's over. <laughs> And I remember thinking though, this is what this is what they've tried to do to me, and it like to try and derail me. It was like it created a, a gigantic chip. I wouldn't even say a chip, a fucking log on my shoulder. And I was like, okay, this guy's come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, I've had over ten fights. When before he'd only said he had one fight. I was like, ah, oh, okay, not a problem. So got back to um, London the day after, just started training. And I had a boxing bout uh, a month later. So I was pretty overweight because like I said, I wasn't in the right shape, anything like that. I lost about 25 pounds in that month. In a month? Just going ham. 
Wow. So eating rabbit about, food, everything like it's that. It's about 10 kilos, 11 about, kilos. Yeah, I was 87, got down to 77. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fight was at 165, which is, I don't know how much in kilos. Yeah, like, I'm terrible. One kilo is 2.2 pounds. So yeah, it's probably like 75 or something. Something like that. Good maths, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's like... How was that? Is that when you dropped the guy the body shot in the first round? That's the one, yeah. yeah that was a beautiful shot. Cheers, man. I mean, <laughs> it didn't feel as satisfying as I thought it'd feel, though, because I wanted it to last longer. I wanted to feel what it'd feel like to be in a fight when I'm prepared. Because after that, I tried to get so many, so many more bouts over here, but it just wasn't possible. And then... Why was that? Was you on the amateur scene, unlicensed? Or what was you? You was at Peacocks for a while, wasn't you? Uh, at one point? Not really. No. So mm-hmm. basically my whole experience of training in England, I more or less trained myself, if I'm going to be honest. Like I went, I've trained at Peacocks uh, doing like sparring and stuff. Trained at a couple other gyms doing sparring as well. But f- up until January this year, my whole experience of training was tra- just training myself, watching YouTube videos, trying to like understand the techniques and everything. Cause I couldn't really find a gym that I connected with. And when you don't really feel the right vibe in a place, it's just, I don't know, you can't really fully express yourself fighting either. So yeah, going into this year, I, I decided, okay, I haven't trained for about a year. I'm gonna try and discover my love for fighting again. So I went to Thailand, trained at Tiger for a bit, doing like all sorts of martial arts and everything. Then I found Ratashai. I was like, okay, I really love fighting again. So this year's just basically been a lot of traveling. So I went to Dubai after that, uh, went to Mexico, found gyms there. Like I feel like I've created bases there with like people I connect with, coaches I connect with. Went to America as well, same thing over there. Created a great base over there and then yeah, um, this summer went to Thailand again, went to Ratashai and put in a lot of work and was like, okay, I've had two bouts. One completely mismatched exhibition. I wouldn't even really cast it as a bout then, really. Uh, I mean, exhibition. Yeah, true. And I'm like, these, they didn't really feel like fights because one ended in a 10 second knockout and the other was like a mismatched bout that I hadn't prepared for. Hadn't trained at a gym for, like I was completely training on my own. These are going to be my first bouts. And then, yeah, I had um, my first fight, well, my first Muay Thai, professional Muay Thai fight um, at Phuket uh, Boxing Stadium. Was it, r- r- uh, what's the stadium, oh, what's it called? What's the stadium called? Uh, actually, Patong Boxing Stadium. Oh, okay, Patong. That's the one, yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of Raja Derman or something. There's like a... That's the one in Bangkok. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a yeah. big one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm planning to fight there uh, some point this year, actually, or early next year. I want to get to Bangkok, hit that scene wild. as well. Yeah, yeah man. I'm trying to become like like a bit of a... Not a legend, because I mean, I'm only going to have a few fights in Thailand, but... You want to leave your mark? Yeah, exactly. That's the perfect way to say it. Yeah, I just want to leave my mark out there, you know. And I feel like you're, you've already had that highlight reel, that elbow. It was beautiful. Yeah, and um, some, some of the comments as well, of course, your comment section is always going to be crap. But For one sure. of them was like, what a mismatch. I'm pretty sure it wasn't because he had more mm. experience than you. 
Yeah, for at sure. The, at the end of the day, you're just, even though you're a novice um, mm. on paper, you've got years of experience, you train hard, you're disciplined, you've got, you know, you're training three times a day, you're eating perfectly, you're, you're sparring UFC guys, top guys, you've had all that experience. And you're I only... wouldn't say I had years of experience, but I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Like, um, had... on and off. I've been training for like a few years, but experience wise, it's like, it's really up until this year that I started training like with coaches and everything. Before that, I wasn't, yeah, I was just doing everything on my own. And it's just not possible to do mm -hmm. everything on your own. You need a good team around you. 100%. Most important thing is to have a team around you. So what team do you want to get together? What's, what's your plans now? So luckily I have a lot of great friends. You're one of them. And like, just people that could give me advice on areas I'm not strong at. It's like I have friends that are experts in, uh, in like social media, in um, strength and conditioning, filmography, everything like that. And I could just lean on them to just give me like advice here or like help me out here and there. And luckily I have a great team in America now as well that are very experienced in building champions. So it's like, okay, I can go out there do my thing uh, once I feel ready uh, with the striking. Just want to go out there, build up my grappling base, and then just go ham with it. You know. Is that in Vegas? Was it Vegas you were at last? In... No, um, it's New Mexico. Ah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And mm. was that where you saw John Jones years ago? Is, it, is that the same? Yeah, name? yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. So what was that like? Because he's, he's a beast, isn't he? Incredible. Like I remember seeing him uh, just at the start of his camp. And even though he wasn't like super sharp at the time, he was still just butchering everyone. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the camp, it was like, wow. Just to see the transformation between someone just getting into shape and then someone just being so sharp that everything they do is just, everything they do is just super clean. It's just pretty beautiful to be honest. That's been quite inspiring. 100%, absolutely. Because he's the, for me, he's still the GOAT martial artist. Mm -hmm. He's, he has no weaknesses. His kicks, his grappling, his fight IQ, off the charts. So knowing that I'm going to have the coaches that built him up in my corner is like very, very reassuring, to be honest, mm -hmm. for sure. And uh, what's, what was he like when you actually seen him train as well? Is everything mm. 100%? Like, because when I see videos of him, like he's doing like really heavy squats and all sorts. Is he like that all the time? Or is there sort of some soft days where we'll do like a, a slower session or is he always beast mode? Cause I feel like at that level, mm. I couldn't see myself training hard, that hard two, three times a day. Yeah. That's killer, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, he's more tactical. So when he does his like strength conditioning sessions or sparring, hundred percent, he's going beast mode. But a lot of the time he's um, more cerebral with it. He'll have like, I don't want to uh, give too much information away, but you'd have like different coaches, like six or seven coaches, all lined up around the cage, all giving him little pointers on the positioning uh, where he's in the cage. Okay, what shot can you throw in this position? And then he'd, he'd input as well. So it's like, he's his own coach as well, mixed with all the other coaches. I call it like kind of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. You have like, um, what's it called, Khaleesi or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she'll have a small council. She'll have like Tyrion. She'll have like, um, I forgot the guy that was in love with her the whole time. 
I stopped watching after season four. So no. yeah, you know I what? don't even know Tyrion was one of her counselors. Oh, I, she, I've spoiled it for yeah, you, man. Spoiled it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Carry on. Okay. To be fair, it kind of went a little bit downhill after that, but mm. yeah, it's basically like he just had the input of so many different mm-hmm. coaches and. That's so important. That was most, yeah, exactly. That was most of what he was doing. It was like, okay, you're in this position in the cage. Maybe we could throw a one-two and then you'd be like, mm, okay, maybe should we do a one-two, uh, faint this and then throw this. And then he have another coach and be like, okay, we could do this. And then it's like, I don't know. It's... Are they breaking down the basics? So once he's perfected them and drilled them thousands of times, when he's in mm. the octagon and he's going beast mode, it's natural and exactly. he's, he's balanced. Exactly. So he'll be in one position in the cage. He knows... Because of that repetition, he'll know exactly what to throw and when to throw it. And, okay, oh, shall I go for a takedown here? No, nah, maybe I'll just throw an axe kick or something crazy like that. Because mm-hmm. he's built that confidence of knowing what he needs to do. How I important think, is it, do you think, to go slow? So that when I coach people, mm. and let's say it's the first time they've hit pads, and they just try and smash them, and you're mm. like, no, we're literally going to go from the ground up so slowly that by the time you throw your jab out and bring it back, I'm talking like five, ten seconds of the whole movement. Like, is it that slow where he's breaking it down sometimes? Do you think that's vital in terms of muscle memory? And That's a beautiful way of teaching. That's a, I think that's the best way to teach, like, how to, like, learn like, proper mechanics. His is more, like, um, situational because he already has, like, the he's fundamentals got- of everything. But you're right, it, is, it was pretty slow like that where he'd go over the same combo for like 20 minutes. And like like you're saying, they will just break down every part of that combo so that they're ready. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love, yeah, tell me more about, you know, how you train uh, What, slowing, slowing things down? For sure, yeah. So because I only ever train novices, it's quite a good way to... There's so many bad habits people will pick up that I'm sure, sure you, you probably you probably got some. I've got loads. My biggest ones, my elbows come out when I get tired. They naturally flare. I have that one as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so knowing those things, I go into every any any session, and it will be you start off with footwork, one step forward, one step back, one step to the side, one step to the side, and mm. everything they're doing. I want the guard perfect. You you go slowly. You you're actually watching how they glide. Make sure that they're not crossing their feet. They're doing all the basics. That's that's number one. As soon as they got that under their belt, which is very simple, you will drill that every session at the start, just for a minute, two minutes, and then you move on to the next thing. Mm. So if you were to train for let's say four weeks and you did three sessions a week. You'd be adding to those basics. So for by sure. the end of it, you better walk, throw a one-two, step back, throw a rear hook, rear step forward. So you slowly add lots of little bits, and then you keep coming back to it, repeating it every session. Um, but in terms of slowing it down, that's a really hard trait because everyone wants to go 100 miles an hour. Everyone wants to look good. Yeah. So slowing it down, I think physically showing them how slow to throw a shot and physically explaining the weight movement and the management and the balance, um, it's key. And doing that from probably the second or third session, then we start sort of going a little bit harder. Like people that turn up to a boxing gym and you make them just box two rounds as fast as they can. and Do all the the combos that they don't understand. Yeah, it happens in so many gyms and it causes so many issues because you're just going to miss out and neglect all the basics. So I think starting slow and doing it even for a month or two, yeah, it's boring, but you are going to learn 
everything that someone might take a year to learn in two months. Um, but yeah, slowing things down, that's key. Like I need to do it now because I've not boxed in so long. Like when I shadow box, I can happily just slow things down, shadow box every single punch and just know that you reset back to your position. It takes discipline to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I try and do that sometimes as well. If I'm, if I'm learning like a new technique or combo or anything, like I always try and think, okay, I try and overthink each and every mechanic. I'm like, if I'm throwing a jab, I'm like, okay, how far is my shoulder away from my, like, from my chin? Okay, how am I extending it? Uh, how am I moving my feet? That type of thing. And it's pretty much because of like your philosophy on it. Like you're the one that taught me when I was in Thailand, like the basics of boxing like that. Mm -hmm. Before um, before that, I'd maybe done like a couple Muay Thai sessions. I didn't know anything though. Like I look back at some stuff that I was doing back then, I kind of cringe, but... That's normal, trust me. I, I cringe mm. looking at the stuff I did a year ago. <laughs> it's, that's completely normal. It's progression, isn't it? Yeah, you're never the finished article. And as long as you're bettering yourself every time, that's all That's all you can ask for. And it's, I know you want to leave your mark on the world and be great, but sure. you've got hundreds of hours of stepping forward, stepping backward, perfecting the jab, perfecting your, your combos. Like You've got a lot of power and you look very well balanced in your last fight. So they're the two main things that sort of are going to carry you around all the foundations that you're building because you're learning on the job really 100 percent. Yeah. like um i haven't really had an amateur career i've just literally just went straight into pro like i said i had those first two bouts but then after that it's just i thought you know what i can't bother to to wear anymore like, i'm just going to go straight into pro and then like you're saying learn on the job really and just try and keep the fundamentals uh, in my game you know Mm -hmm. And you're so disciplined that I think you'll pick things up very quickly. And being around the right people, you going to America, mm. what, what would you say has been the most beneficial part of the world where you've learned? It has to be Thailand. Yeah? Yeah, I can't lie. Where's that? I'd say well, where I've had like the most growth, I feel. It's just such a unique environment where you have the sun, the beaches. And you know on that road, on the Tiger Road, you have all the nice restaurants, the acai places. Is the vegan and, place still there? Uh, it is, yes, it is, yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's nice there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you hated it the first time around. You were I like, remember. why would I want to eat here? At least barbecues up the road. Yeah. yeah, I know, but... Yeah, it's just good food, good vibes, the whole, the whole road, to be honest. Like, everyone there is going there to better themselves. Mm -hmm. So that environment that atmosphere just inspires you to to want to better yourself as well and you have a lot of pro fighters on the on that road as well so it's yeah it's just a really productive environment and i feel environment is everything in this game mm -hmm. like above everything else that you can have environment in environment is absolutely key it's like um mike tyson for example when he had um Customato, Kevin Rooney in his corner, unstoppable machine, right environment. They kept him away from, from the life, right? And then you get the coke, the strippers, everything like that. And they poisoned him, you know. They like invaded his life. They invaded what was important, which is the fight game. Mm -hmm. And although he's still a monster, because he's just, he's Mike Tyson. He just, he wasn't that same monster that people feared. Yeah, he peaked very early. 
that was that was the sad part. If Cus stayed longer and mm. if he didn't pass away, um, Mike could have reigned for a decade, no problem. Hundred percent. There's a good quote as well. Muhammad Ali. Um, I was going to post this today. Um, they said to him, "What makes a good fighter?" And he was just like, "A good fighter is someone that avoids all temptation, doesn't sleep with all the women, is, <laughs> is in bed at nine o'clock." gets up early, goes on mm. the runs, does all... So he understands that to make you world champion, it's not what you're doing in your day, it's what you're not doing. Like the, mm. the temptations, that the higher you get, the more money you get, the more status, the more people that want to come around you and just... Suck everything out. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're negative, but even though they come across friendly and they're there for a good time, that short-lived good time is stopping you from the greatness, so... For sure. You, you look at any world champion and you look at their sacrifice. Like, e even for me, being just an amateur boxer, the amount of things that I sacrifice just in my training because I feel like it's the right thing to do and I feel better for it, that, that set me up for life, for work, for friendships. For it's, it's made me a better person. Your work ethic is crazy. Crazy. Like I've noticed that as well. And it's why you're such a good friend of mine because it's inspiring. Like, not just for your podcast, but in every aspect of your life. Whenever we talk, I'm like, fucking hell, I need to, I need to step up my game. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah, you just always put in the work. You're like, okay, I'm waking up at six in the morning, doing like a 10K run. And you're like, that's just the start of the day. I'm like, wow. Um. <laughs> Do you remember when I called you just before uh, one of your fights? It was like the day before. Mm. And I was just like, envision, envision everything. Think about walking into the stadium warming up, walking into the, into the octagonal ring or whatever they've got mm. and going through that motions. When you did that, did that feel like a blessing on the night? Did, did you feel much more? How was that for you? To be honest, it just reaffirmed what I was thinking at the time because I was, it was literally like flashbacks of what's going to happen in the future. For like weeks, I kept feeling this. And when you said it to me, it was like, okay, like... I have someone else that believes in just uh, you know reaffirming everything as well. So it was like it was like confirmation bias in a way. And yeah, when I went in there, I just felt like super peaceful, super relaxed. And I was like, okay, because my style is like it's a dancing style. If like when I'm at my best, anyway, it feels like I'm just like trying to dance. And that's what I was trying to. Um, to envision like just me going in there and dancing. Mm -hmm. It's obviously never that easy when you're in there. You're like, okay, shit. <laughs> Rhythm and flow while someone's trying to knock you out. Exactly, yeah. You're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like um, last fight, the guy threw like a question mark kick at me and I was like, Rah, I haven't seen that before. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna let it get me off my game, innit? I'm just gonna still keep, keep that rhythm and flow, keep that rhythm and flow. And it's, it's like you're saying, even when you're in there, you have to constantly be envisioning what's about to happen next. You can't let what the other person is doing stop your visions, really. I feel like it's a very, very visual game that, I don't know, you could kind of make, how do I put it? You could kind of create the future if you want. It's hard to, it's, it's very hard to explain. No, there's, you, there's yeah, it's, um, what's the word? Um, there's a certain word that when you keep thinking it and keep believing it, 
it just becomes part of your path. Of mm. course, you're not going to think, oh, I'm going to be world champion and just you thinking it's going to get you there. But if you're that firm on your beliefs and you work towards it every day and you know what you've got to do because of that, that belief, then you're on the right track. And there's, no, there's much more of a chance of you doing it than sure. if you don't think you're a world champion and you're just here for a good time. Then there's no chance after that, to be honest. Like, mm. It's better to just even think that and not have, you know, even if you don't have a realistic chance, I feel like it's better to just shoot for the stars and then, you know, it will just push you further than to not have any belief and then be like, okay, um, well, at least I tried, but you didn't really try if you never really believed. Mm -hmm. That's my mindset anyway. It's like, fuck what anybody else thinks. Like, try and be the best that you could ever be at whatever you're doing. It's like, if you're a street cleaner, try and be the best at that as well. Don't like... um Take shortcuts. Exactly. That's it. It's like, go for it, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you start committing yourself to everything you do in your life, like the, you sent me the Johnny Wilkinson, uh, Johnny, yeah, Johnny Wilkinson podcast. He, <sighs> how he goes from winning the Rugby World Cup, scoring the tries and everything else and the, the kicks. I don't really mm. know rugby. Um, <laughs> but going from that to living a normal life, he's got to take that competitive attitude to washing the dishes and whatever it may be, his life, whatever he's doing, he wants sure. to go in 100% and you know, leave no stone unturned, no matter how small. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful mindset he has. Like he's just, he wants to fully experience everything he's doing. So like you're saying with the washing the dishes thing, he's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to go hard on washing the dishes. It sounds crazy when you think about it, but it's like, if you apply that mindset to everything, just like you have, it just bleeds into everything else as well. It's, um... It's habits really, isn't it? It's just, once you have like winning habits, even in the small things you're doing, then you're just creating it in everything else. So yeah. Um, and I think it attracts more things. The more things you do good and the more you successful you feel and the better you feel, I think it will attract. What was that, by the way? Someone just like, had a dump. Someone thought I was home. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy on the train you said earlier. Yeah, that was disgusting, man. <laughs> At least the ticket man didn't come. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so going back to Thailand, you, you fly tomorrow. Mm. This will probably be going out in a couple of weeks. What's, what's your plan? How long are you going to be there for? So the plan this time around is to take my time out there, be there for a few more months rather than uh, just two months. Because uh, last time I went for two months, but it took two weeks to like, acclimate to everything. And then I was able to, okay, I'm like in a decent fitness level right now. I could uh, prepare for a fight. I want to go out there, have three or four more fights and then head to America with like more experience under my belt. Because I feel like when you go out there, uh, you can't just go out there without knowing that you're ready for it, you know, because they have big expectations out there. It's um, It's not an easy place to go, so... And you got to put on a show. And I'm sure in the gym, exactly. if you're not working that hard in the gym, then they're not going to give you the attention, especially where you're in a gym for the champions. Exactly. It's uh, very competitive out there. Um, mm. yeah, there's so many UFC fighters in that stable. It's just to kind of get even noticed, to try and, I don't know, not make a name for yourself in the gym, but like establish yourself. Mm -hmm. You do have to, you know, be able to, to go hard with it, you know? And I feel like I'm definitely ready for that. Like, no doubt about it. But 
experience is something that you can't cheap out on either. You gotta have the experience first before you're ready to compete with the big boys. Yeah, I felt that when we was at Tiger, I I remember sparring a UFC Russian pro. Don't know who he was, what name he I was. I remember that session, yeah. Yeah, he just trying to knock me out. He was just throwing big right hands. The coach yeah. was watching us too, and it was mm. meant to be technical sparring. And it was just on the mat where everyone's sparring. So it wasn't like in the ring. Mm. And he's throwing haymaker after haymaker. You were very I, evasive though. I was like... Yeah, I just kept jabbing and moving. And yeah. I was actually, I was beating him just mm. because he was loading up. And um, the whole entire spar was just me, hands up, jabbing his face off. And um, it got to... I've seen you do that a couple of times actually though, where <laughs> guys get too, too into their feelings. They try and take your head off and you just pick them apart. It's, I feel like... Your ability to control your emotions in that situation is great. And that's another thing that's like super important. And it, but it makes you more switched on when you've got someone that's trying to knock you out. Mm. Like I'm not going to be trying to go toe to toe with someone that is stronger than me, bigger than me, better than me. So I might as well just technically box his head off. And that's the only thing you could do. But doing that for three minutes against him, it was a great experience. And that was the first time I think the coach was Sam Bastin there at the time. Sam, the Australian guy. Um, uh, not sure I don't know, but it was the first time he actually spoke to me after mm. training there for like two weeks. That's what it's like because there's so many people that go in and out of the gym. That was the first time he was just like, oh, a good spa mate and all this. It's like you made an impression. Yeah, and it was just it, I felt good for it, and I think it's a nice feeling when you have to do that. If you turn up and they're going to show you love regardless, then you know everyone's a winner. Then it's, it's not going <laughs> to work. Everyone gets a participation badge. Yeah, it? yeah. You know, where's my badge? You know. <laughs> But like you turning up, putting in the work, getting the recognition from well-credited guys that that know that you're putting in the work. For that, sure. That's priceless. Yeah. And um, you've signed with what, what company? For? Uh, Jackson Wink. So it's the, the gym I'm training at as well, but they have an agency as well um, for a lot of the athletes at the gym. So their goal is to basically get everyone at the gym, uh, well, everyone that's signed under them that, you know, they have a belief in and everything like that to get as much experience as possible so that when they're ready to hit the pro game, that they're ready to, um, to you know, put on a display. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really like good experience knowing that I have part, them as part of my team now as well. Because like I said, when I was here starting off in the UK for the first couple of years, I didn't have a gym, agent, nothing like that. So everything I was doing was like trying to, like happen off my own back and it's like you're climbing a hill like without any support at all mm -hmm. like trying to climb Mount Everest and it's yeah it felt pretty impossible but now I have a team behind me that's like okay uh, as soon as you're ready to come to America we'll get you the fights and they don't want me to fight too often I want to fight like every week that's why I love Thailand they they don't mind giving you a fight once every two weeks and everything mm -hmm. that's why I'm going out there now just to do they pay well if you possible. win? Uh, where, sorry? Do they pay well if you win? In Thailand? Mm -hmm. For Thai wages, it's pretty good. That's but good. yeah, I'm not really going there for the pay at this point. I mean, not to sound too confident in myself, but if I do what I need to do, they'll come eventually anyway, in a few years. Right now, I'm just trying to get as much experience as possible. And the fact I'm getting paid at anything at all, it's better than if I was in the amateurs, not getting paid at all, trying to sell tickets. Whereas... The promoter out in Thailand, he's the one like promoting me, trying to sell uh, tickets to my fights because I have um, 
just from those two fights, I have a, a good like rapport with the promoter and everything. Wants to really put me out there for like fights again. So it's, I it's just such a great environment mm -hmm. and everything's coming together. Hard work together, gets really. seen every time. I think yeah, you're two good knockouts now. Mm. When you go out there, they, they have the little buses, don't they? They go around the towns and, yeah. and they've got like music going and they got all the billboards. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So like, having your I'll name be sitting on the there in the calf, just seeing them come pie, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like once I saw um, my poster, my mates um, won that poster as well, and I was like, yeah, we, we've not made it, but like, you know, we're starting to get there. Do you know what I mean? How did that feel seeing your face on on like the big billboards and everything? Surreal, surreal. Because I mean. Just like six months before, I'd completely given up on on training, on fighting. I was out of shape. I was probably like 95 kilos. Wow. Yeah, like... How much are you now? That's a bad question now because I've been back in England for a few weeks. 80? About 80. About 80. I want to get down to about 76 again, though. That was a good weight for me. I felt strong, felt lean, felt quick. And that's another thing in... Um, that people don't really believe. They don't really believe I'm as light as I am. I think I'm a lot uh, bigger than I am. Whereas when I'm disciplined and everything, I get to a nice weight, nice comfortable weight. And, you know, I'm still quite small for my weight class. It's a bit of a blessing to be honest, because I don't have to be one of those weight bullies, but at the same time, I'll still have that size advantage. And yeah, I'm not lie, I just can't wait to just be uh, throwing them bombs at people. Well, especially Muay Thai, there's the most of the fights that I see at your weight, there are knockouts, but there aren't knockouts as crazy as what you've done in just two fights. Like a lot of them come in the later rounds when they're fatigued. Like you, you've had seasoned guys that have had many fights yeah. drop pretty quick. Um, that's yeah, that's good power, and that's that's genetics. That's you can't train some of that. You've either got it or you haven't. Like Deontay Wilder. That knockout on the week, this weekend, mm -hmm. the Hellenius fight. I think he was just like... and But as he's stepping backwards, he's not even got his feet planted. He's not even got a full shoulder rotation. It's and insane. He's, he's putting cold. That was like a 60% punch. <sighs> it, it was. And the guy's looking at the sky like... Yeah. He's like, I've just seen God right now. I'm like, mm -hmm. whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, And obviously when I shared what Wilder said, obviously he, he's gotten a bit soft since losing to Fury and he, he doesn't like seeing... I think like he's got humbled him. a bit, you know. Yeah. But I feel good. that's probably good for him, you know. he's He can see it from the other side now where he's like, even though I'm knocking these guys out, they still have my respect. Do you know what I mean? He's not like... You know, like before where he was like... I could kill a man in the ring. Yeah, I catch a body. Catch a body. <laughs> everything. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's... That's the type of energy you need, 100% before a fight. Mm -hmm. I understand that, but I just think him showing that after the fight shows his maturity as well. Because, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you've got another brave competitor that's coming in there. He's like trying to put his uh, name out there as well. Trying to put himself out there. Putting he's the risk got, on he's got well. a family, he's got loved ones. He's exactly. just trying to put food on the table. He's, trying to, he's on his own path. Absolutely. And there's only usually one winner out of the two, you know, unless you get mm. the freak draws. But, yeah, it's tough. It might make him softer in terms of if Wilder does get too emotional, what if he mm. does lose that little killer instinct? Like That's a good point. It, it could it's be a, a it's a It's a fine line, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like, good to um, have compassion, but how much compassion? Like, when I first started boxing, 
you know, you're apologising, hitting someone in the face or like you're, you're tapping their glove in the middle of the middle round. Yeah. And it's just like, there's no time for respect. It's, it's, it's you it's versus them. It? Yeah. The way I look at it is like, this guy's trying to take my life and there's only one of us that's going to die in there and it's not me. It's definitely not going to be me. Like, that's before the fight. But then I remember after my last knockout, the guy was in quite a bad way. Like, I think he was out for a, like an hour. Wow. And I remember just thinking, like, I don't know. Got a little bit emotional. It's weird. Like, I was like, shit. Um, not that like, I didn't mean to do that, but like, I hope he's okay. I hope everything's going to be all right, everything like that. Was it mixed emotions because of you're happy for the knockout, but then seeing the, the real life destruction? I didn't, that's the thing, I didn't like experience that happiness. But at the same time, a couple of days afterwards, as soon as I found out he was okay, that's when I experienced that happiness. Like when, I, when it was okay, I was like, yes, sick knockout. Mm-hmm. But then at the time, like, fuck, you know, I didn't mean to do that. But it doesn't affect how I feel about the next guy. The next guy, I know he's going to be coming for my life as well. And 100%, like, I'm going to do what I can to, to protect myself in there, to, to try and do my best. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I hold nothing back, nothing at all. Like, it's a switch that, like, switches off after the fight. But before the fight, there's no humanity there for me. I'm not going to lie. He's, you kind of dehumanise him a bit. You're like, uh, they're, it's like a, okay, it's this religion thing. It's like, uh, no weapon uh, fashioned against me shall prosper. And it's like, you just look at them as like a, a weapon that's out to cause you harm. And like, they have to be destroyed. It's weird explaining it because the feeling I get, it's like, I don't know. It's just very hard to explain yeah. the the feeling. It's like you, you kind of go to the dark side of yourself. Before we go any further in the podcast, I would just like to thank the proud sponsors of Not Just Boxing. Not Just Boxing is proudly sponsored by Titan Boxing. Titan Boxing is a UK fast-growing boxing business. They do personalised gloves, pads, T-shirts, everything. They've got UK free shipping. Go check them out with the link on screen. Gymfluencers.com are proud sponsors of Not Just Boxing. They are the premier health and fitness website. There you can find supplement discount codes, freebies, giveaways, a macro calculator. There's all sorts on there. So go check them out at gymfluencers.com or check out their at on Instagram at gymfluencers.official. Do you have like an alter ego? Like Sugar Ray Leonard would always tap into. He loved uh, superheroes and stuff. We spoke about this before. Mm. But like having something that you can relate to somewhere you can go that isn't joe bello everyday life you know 100%. working in stocks or whatever but that joe bello that is a fighter that has a mission to do that that is out for all the right things do you do you have that that you tap into is that quite real that's a sick question actually because i've been reading a book recently um tim grover relentless i recommend anyone that's an athlete to read that book because he's the trainer of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. He was on the High Performance podcast as well. Mm. Yeah, so carry on, but he's, he's brilliant. He, yeah, he really is. Like, a lot of what he does isn't just physical. It's like tapping into the mindset of these guys. And they're all the two biggest killers of all time. Like, in their sport, in basketball, they will, like, go for your juggler every time. Like, no mercy. And it's... The way he explains it is... 
your dark side is actually, it's more who you are deep inside, but it's part of yourself that you try, you try to forget. Like in civilized society, we can't be going around like giving, giving people like dirty looks and acting all aggressive, everything like that. But there's a time and place for it. Exactly. Release the beast. Exactly. So it's not quite like a, I wouldn't say it's like an alter ego for me. It's just tapping into something that I have to keep away, mm -hmm. keeping it like a little box. That's how I kind of look at it. And it's like, when it comes time, I unlock that box and I'm like, okay, this is who I am now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I can't hide any dark parts of myself. It's like, sometimes you get some of the most fucked up thoughts in your head. And it's like, okay, I'm cool with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do to the guy? You imagine some, like, fucked up things, but that's what helps, I think. You have to, you have to think of all possible outcomes. That's like, it. Like, if you don't, and it happens, and you're not prepared for it, you might never be the same again. I think mm. tapping into it mentally before anything, mm. it, it does help. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And how your personality... You are hundreds of little things. It depends on what you want to be at certain situations in your life. 100%. We can all be aggressive. We can all be, you know, soppy. We can all be like anything you can imagine. So tapping into that dark place and that one bit that creates the ultimate fighter, some, someone that comes out in the night that is out there for pure destruction and is putting everything they've learned in the gym, every punch, every kick, everything you've rehearsed for thousands of hours going in there and making sure that you perfect that and you listen to your coach, you do everything right, it's good. If you don't have that and you're not ready for that, you're never going to be a, a, a success. You're never going to win. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like understanding yourself, understanding the, the hundreds of, the hundreds of uh, different little parts of yourself is, I feel, the most important thing. That's the journey of, of uh, martial arts, sorry. I feel like the journey of martial arts is not just about learning skills, but it's about understanding yourself, understanding the way your body moves, understanding, sounds a little bit hippie, but understanding your spirit, understanding your breathing. It's just the, it's a journey of understanding really. And then once you have that understanding and you have How do a you coach get as there? well. What experience would you recommend to people? Let's say someone's an amateur boxer. They've been mm. at one gym in England. They've never really left the country besides a family holiday. They've not really found who they are or what they can be. What would you recommend for them to get the experiences to to be a better version of themselves? I'd say, first off, uh, the best thing to do as well is 100% watch YouTube videos. Like in the online age that uh, we live in right now, we have such like unlimited access to all these different things that your location shouldn't just dictate uh, everything that you can do. Like if you don't feel super comfortable at a gym, like I didn't for years, then you could go online, learn all those skills and everything. Do you and recommend anyone? I don't know, because I, like, I have a playlist. I call it the weapons library. I have a playlist of about a thousand different videos from so many different sources that I've watched throughout the whole, like throughout the years and it's... Because um, there is a lot of crap out there as well. Big time. What, what you're saying is great, but mm. if someone falls into the wrong side of YouTube and True. you've got some idiot explaining something pretty poorly mm. and like, I've, I've seen some people have reached out to me that have tried learning through YouTube and 
they they haven't really understood what they're meant to be doing. They haven't got the the foundation or the the, the, the right mindset. So you're right. Would, would you recommend any certain? I think Tony Jeffries for boxing. Obviously, Olympic medalist or Olympian. I don't know if he got a medal. He's very no bullshit as well. I like him. Yeah, for straight, sure. Straight to the point. It goes mm. into detail and lots of lots of things that can win you a fight. I, I rate Tony. Like you're right. There's so much risk of just bollocks out there. To be honest, absolute bollocks. Because you have some people that like learn a couple of things and then they'll want to like check check that on YouTube and it's like not the not the right way to learn. It's like. Me right now, like I have decent fundamentals and everything, but I'm not at the point where I could just be chucking up everything on YouTube thinking, okay, I know everything. So um, I'd have to really think, I think- um, Teddy Atlas. Teddy Atlas is great, great uh, fight breakdowns. A uh, guy called Lee Wiley, he's really good as well. He has, um, the way he breaks it down is he'll take his favorite fighters like a Lomachenko, um, a Rigondeaux, uh, old school ones like Sugar Ray Leonard as well. And he'll break down like specific moves they have. So it's like Street Fighter, like everyone has a specific thing they do. Like Loma has that pivot to the left thing he does brilliantly. And he'll break down why he used it, which I think is more important than the actual technique itself. So once you understand why someone's doing something, then you could be like, okay, this is how we apply it. I feel like the why is overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it's like okay, you throw this this combo like this, but why? And as you know, if you go to a lot of boxing gyms, if you if you ask the why, mm-hmm. then like they'll think okay, why are you questioning the coach? For me, this was the most important part of finding my team uh, in Thailand, finding my team in Dubai, finding my team in Mexico, finding my team in America. I was able to to find coaches where I could question what they're doing without stepping the boundaries of like, okay, I'm a student, they're the coach. And the vibe checked out as well. I feel like those are the two, those are the two main things I'd think uh, for recommending someone to find somewhere where they want to go. Somewhere where they could ask loads of questions so they could get better, kind of go exploring as well uh, on YouTube or anything like that. And then somewhere that they feel comfortable to experiment because like you're saying, we're gonna fuck up so many times. I feel like I'm constantly fucking up and I'm like, wait, I feel like I had this right. I have to go back and like fix it again. But you need somewhere where you feel comfortable doing that. So yeah, uh, go back to your question earlier. I'd say my advice would be, okay, if you're at a gym and you don't feel like you're able to discover who you are at that gym, get the fuck out of there. 100%, like as soon as possible, if it's, the, if it's the only place you could get like working, okay, train there, but try and do your own homework on the side. It's what I call going to class and doing your homework. So you can go to the classes, but at the same time you have to, you have to be able to go out and do your own homework as well. Mm-hmm. I think what you said, I love the saying, understand the why. That's when you really understand the chess match, the sweet science. I think when you start truly breaking down everything from the start, why is he fainting? Oh, he's fainting to draw a reaction to then throw his shot. He, why is he throwing a jab to the body and then coming up top after? Well, it's, it's fairly obvious why he's doing it. Understanding all those basic things and then just sitting there watching a fight or great fighters and just rewinding a certain round that they dominated in 
and see why they dominated and not even just technique maybe the aggression like when you when you look at i think john jones said uh he was watching cockfighting or a ufc fighter and and he was just saying um he was seeing the cockfighting and he saw how one of them won and it won through pure aggression not backing down and heart and yeah. it, it showed all the right characteristics and he really analyzed it to the point of uh, the point of that's how you win a fight and there's so many things you can pick up off so many fighters so many coaches and traveling around and doing your homework and everywhere you you start to understand your why on a broader horizon um yeah i think that's that's beautiful understand your why i love that i didn't know that i didn't know that about the cockfighting you know mm -hmm. that's a great story because it's like you could take you could kind of take lessons from everything that you see as well you know what i mean it's like you're saying he looked he looked at cockfighting which most of us would look like oh it's just too um two birds fighting each other but he looked at it and was like oh, okay shit how is he um, doing this why is he doing this and it's like you're kind of taking a lesson from it it's mm -hmm. pretty beautiful yeah like even just when he I think he said into detail how they were intimidating that the psychology of it as well how the cock that was winning was doing certain body reactions without even attacking them it, it was just dominating hit the other cock's mind and it's crazy when you start looking into anything and you're around a knowledgeable per knowledgeable person it's um it's great to watch and uh it sounds like when you go back out to america john jones team that's uh it's gonna be unreal i know it's uh so much knowledge to pick off and from the fighters there as well it's um yeah it's definitely gonna be a learning experience i mean that's why I think it's important to like uh, go in there quite humble as well. Not um, so I like to say it carefully. I like to use the word humble carefully though, because I feel like a lot of the time it's used to like take away from that uh, that dark side. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like okay, you can't fully express yourself, everything like that. But when used in the right way, I feel like humility is invaluable. Because the moment you uh, the moment you feel like you know everything or you can't you can't pick up on new stuff, that's when you're finished. And you have to be humble, going there with a completely blank mind, going there like I'm a novice. That's when you'll be able to pick everything up because you don't go in there with any like preconceived ideas or thinking, okay, I know better than this person, I can't learn this. For like that's the true humility that gets you like really far. But yeah, it's definitely a balance. Um, I'm gonna go in there, not know, like not, um, not thinking um, I know everything, but at the same time, I'm not gonna go in there like faint of heart or like mm -hmm. There's a complete balance. There's a complete swing of things that you need to hold. You need to be humble. You need to be cocky. You need to be arrogant. You need to back yourself. Mm. You need to know that there's more to learn. Uh, Bruce Lee said that um, if you're a glass of water and you keep adding water to it and it's overflowing, then how are you meant to learn anymore? So if, if you always make sure that your, your glass is never full and you're always open to new ideas and you you don't feel like you're at the top, that it's so important that, yeah, if you do, unfortunately, you're going to get caught out. It's like the the biggest issue. Like you you see, um, let's talk about some world champion George Cambosis. Fair enough, he lost to a better fighter, Devin Haney, but he came across like he underestimated Devin Haney. 
he was training with only an amateur, amateur coach, even in the rematch. I had no idea about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friend in Sydney was telling me, apparently he was just with an amateur coach. No disrespect to an amateur coach, but it seemed like the way he had come across was... He wanted everything comfortable, right? Yeah, and he, he felt like it, he, he was fine with how things were when if you've just taken a loss off of one of the best, probably pound for pound, really, Devin Haney's probably top five, top ten, you know, you need to be open. You need to you need to understand that you need to learn and you need to know what you did wrong. And that was his biggest downfall. Respect to him, he's a warrior and he, he landed some good shots. Of course. But unfortunately, I feel like he, he restricted himself in his camp. If he if he decided to just say, I need to switch it up, I need to do something new. Like Anthony Joshua, right? Even though he lost to Usyk. It was a better performance the second time around. That was the best he ever boxed. That was the best fight he's ever had. And unfortunately, he lost to the pound-for-pound pound king. Usyk, pound-for-pound, yeah. pound is the best. He's, he was winning everything. You know, he's won everything in his life. He's, he's superhuman. He's a one-in-a-once-in-a-lifetime type of fighter. Absolutely. Like, the way he moves and his feints and everything like that. I mean, Joshua put on a great performance. Can't lie. Uh, the only thing I'd say, no criticism to him, is... It's, like, it's going back to what you said about Deontay. Like Deontay had that, that killer fire in him. Joshua had that. I remember the first Dylan White fight. He had like mad killer fire and yeah, mad killer fire in him. But even though he's picked up more skills, I don't know if he lost that that fire. And I don't know what reason, but that's the only thing I'd think of is in that you know. It's something you can't lose as a fighter. Mm-hmm. No matter how many skills you pick up, you lose that dark side, you lose the ability to, to go there. But it's probably easier said than done. Way when you are, when you have been humiliated and knocked out in America in front of Andy Ruiz, you know, in front of all the fans, you know, millions of pay-per-view buyers, mm. and then all of a sudden you've got, you, you were a heavy favourite. Ruiz was a last-minute step in. For sure. And... All, your whole world's gone upside down and everyone starts doubting you. You've got to read all... I feel like all of that, you are going to be a completely different person for the rest of your life in some way or another. Some I, feel champ- like that's what, I feel that's what separates the, the truly greats from, from the champions, though. Like, you have a lot of champions and you have the truly greats that don't break when there's... Uh, I won't say you broke or anything, but don't even, like, switch up their mindset when it comes to that. Feel like Ali, he's taken his losses, but he never, his mindset never changed when he was fighting. Obviously, he's he's the highest comparison because he had the most unbreakable mindset, the spirit, the fire, everything like that. I'm the greatest. He never once doubted it. I look at his fights and I'm like, he never once doubted who he was. And I feel like with everything, that's it is the most important part. Like you're saying, it's. Being able to block all those doubters, being able to block everything that's uh, trying to tell you you're not who you you know yourself to be. Mm -hmm. It's easy to have self-belief when you haven't been knocked back like Mm. someone like AJ. Mm. Like the self-belief, you can you could pick it up. You could watch enough, meditate enough, do whatever you got to do, and be around yes men, and you'll feel good. But as soon as you come to a challenge, and it don't go your way, like you said, world champions will take it on the chin. They'll come back stronger. And and to be honest, 
AJ has come back stronger, but yeah, he, as you said, everyone said he has lost the killer instinct, and he could have gone in for the kill a few times with Usyk, but then Usyk, that's his class. Even when he was tired and he got hit with big body shots, his head yeah. movement, the way AJ just couldn't land clean on him, was down to the class of Usyk, and unfortunately, that's that. You, you're never going to be the best in the world, and when you go against the best in the world and you understand that Usyk is the better man and he beat you twice, it's it's time to understand, okay, I can't beat him. And uh, you, have to, you have to come to grips. That's I feel like when... it was the mental that separated both of them though. Usyk has the more skills, but AJ physically, if he went there in a different, like, in a different uh, mental space, I feel like you could have still beat him. But Usyk, when he did take those uh, like big blows, Okay, he'd evade a little bit for a, for a time, but then 10 seconds later, he's the one on the front foot again. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's, um, that's really the separation. Like that guy just came back from Ukraine. I mean, he saw, he probably saw some crazy shit out there. I don't know, but you know that he must've been built different. Do you know what I mean? It's like... He knows how to win, even when he's got someone much bigger than him, someone mm. that could knock him out. He knew how to win. When he got backed up, like you said, and he comes back, that's because he's got he's got the winning mindset and there's, there's everything up top. Yeah. There's there was no doubt in his mind that no matter what you give him, he's gonna give you more. Oh for sure. It's the same with Spencer Crawford coming up. You've got two Can't guys. Wait for that one. They both know how to win. Mm. They can both win rounds and they're smart enough to land more than the other opponent lands. They they make it their pace. So this is Two of the pound for pound greats fighting each other finally. <sighs> Has it been like solidified yet? Yep. Uh, November the I could say twentieth, maybe. I could Fucking be wrong, hell. but it's happening. <sighs> finally, I can't wait for it. To be honest, mm. I don't know who. Who do you have? Um, yeah, who do you have coming ahead? I've come to grips with if they were to fight three times, let's say they would fight fight three times. Crawford would win twice, Spencer would win one. I feel like they could both beat each other depending on what happens on the night. There's there's a lot of elements on the night that you'll never account for. Lots of things that happen leading up to the fight. Lots of little things that do have a major play. Um, so I feel like if they were to fight a few times and things would be different, they can both get wins. It's it's You, you can't call it. You, you, That's you the perfect answer. Yeah. You can't. I fully agree with that as well. I mean... Yeah, I couldn't even split in a free fight. So I'd be like, one fight win, one fight, uh, one fight loss, one fight draw. Like, it's really that close. Mm -hmm. And it's just... Yeah, what makes you think Crawford has the slight edge, though? I just think he's he's overall... Uh, it's it's hard to say without uh, disrespecting Spence. Mm. I just... I prefer Crawford's style... And I feel like he would know how to win and it would probably be via decision. I don't think everyone would be knocked out. They're both too good for that. Mm. But I just feel like Crawford could win the rounds convincingly. The way he can switch hit, the way he can make the fight go at his own pace. Yeah. He's, he's been a bit more um, obviously active where Spence had the crash and stuff. I think overlooking the, next, the last couple of years between them both, Crawford has the edge. But there's no doubt Spence could go in there and... Put on a masterclass. Oh, for sure. But it, it could be a draw. 
it, it, it could end up being a draw. And I, I just hope they give us a rematch if it is a draw, though. Mm-hmm. There know should know be I mean? a rematch clause, really, going into it, I think. 100%. Top rank. Yeah. Yeah, that would be sick. Like, um, so what you're saying about Crawford, like, uh, switch it in. He could go out there and be a dog as well, or he could go out there and box. And I feel like Spence could do the same as well. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a great fight, to be honest. So finishing up now, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Five years. So the thing is, I feel like five years is a long time. Like I've been training for about three years now. Um, Only about 10 months, like properly training without any distractions, without, with a team behind me, everything like that. I feel like you give me five years of great support, great team, lots of fights to build experience. I don't. I don't see a limit for myself. To be honest, that's. I can't, I won't put an exact um, estimation or, like, a time frame for anything. But, with what I, with what I'm capable of doing, I just don't see a limit for myself. You know, like, I have the speed, the length, the power, and like I've got a creative mindset to. To be able to create beautiful, beautiful shows out there. Honestly, I feel like that's that's where I see myself. I see myself having. Just interesting fights. Fight of the year contenders in the UFC. That's it. Hopefully not. Like, hopefully not uh, too many fight of the year contenders. Just because a lot of those fight of the year contenders are like gruesome, gruesome wars. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have wars. If I'm going to be honest, I just want to go out there and put a show on people fully. I feel like with the right team behind myself, something I'm capable of doing. Just going out there and creating something that will. You know, last the test of time, you know. Because that's what... I feel like that's um, the important thing about fighting. There's a lot of champions, they'll go out there and win, everything like that, but then none of their fights are truly memorable. For me, it's not really about chasing championships, although that's what I want to do as well. It's about putting on the types of displays that people just remember for, for a very long time. So, yeah, that's the goal. I think wars will be inevitable when you get to the top level. Of course. Unless you're someone like Adesanya that mm. can just kickbox and keep that range, I feel you'll probably be in some wars and you'll be more than ready that. for it. Oh, yeah. I don't mind um, getting in wars. I mean, mentally I'm prepared for that 100%. Even at this early stage, if I have to, to tough out some fights, I have no doubt I'll be able to do that as well. It's just I also want to... I want to keep uh, my top quite clean as well. It's why when I was training by myself, most of the things that I was learning was defensive movements as well. It wasn't just like offensive movements, like, okay, I'm going to throw one, two like this. It was like, okay, in this situation, am I going to go like this, slip? Would I move here? It was, um, it was a lot of defensive movements to like, get that into my um into my repertoire before I was even thinking about uh going offensive with it. It's why um so far like, I've been able to keep myself like well protected, pretty damage free, even in sparring. Even when I'm sparring like really tough guys, I'm still able to like stand in the pocket and trade with them without having to be like, okay, I'm gonna take like huge bombs just because 
like a focus on the defensive element. It's not to say that when I come against like the best that I won't be in those wars. But yeah, I feel like um I don't know. I'm well prepared to to take on those challenges without thinking, okay, um he's gonna get the better of me offensively rather than it being the other way around. I feel like yeah, I've been um lucky to have like the power and everything like that, but if I just relied on that instead of, you know, trying to be technically sound, trying to keep myself safe, then I would get in those wars and I wouldn't have as long as as long of a career as I want. So yeah, it sounds very confident. I am pretty confident, but yeah, I think I'll be okay, you know. Yeah, the the best defensive fighter or the best fighters, sorry, mm. always finish on a defensive move. Whatever shots they throw, they're doing something defensively after always they, they will never throw a shot and stay there never so it's good that you've got that mindset already it's really good uh, yeah it's like um canelo in it like he'll throw a massive bomb but then afterwards he'll slip or just um, roll it off yeah that's it and it's like he's apart from the bivol fight where i don't know what you know big guy maybe wasn't quite ready for him he hasn't really taken that many like hard shots or anything even as many fights as he's been in as many like world champions he's, he's come he up took against. quite a few off Golovkin yeah so, yeah that's, I mean that's probably the main one yeah, yeah for sure like Golovkin 1 and 2 was just yeah some of the best fights I, those were yeah two of my uh, definitely like favourite boxing fights of all time I think it's crazy how both of them were still okay after that because mm -hmm. they're both two of the hardest punches and like they all throw like monster punches at each other but mm -hmm. Both of their defences, even though some of the stuff was like super subtle, was like just beautiful. Even though he takes a shot, he's not got his chin in the air eating one. He's no. actually rolling just slightly with it. So even though he's being punched and it's a big shot, he's taking the sting out of it just enough that he can actually move his head. You'll see slight little movement. If someone's landing a hook on him and he can't get out of it, he'll move his head with the hook. He'll move his... Those little things are what keeps him composed and from getting hurt. And they're the little things that... Yes, to to do that under under the bright lights in front of millions of people, as well. you know, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's impressive. Because yeah, it's like that was we consider that a war, but they didn't come out looking looking like aliens after that. Do you know what I mean? They didn't come out super like crunched up or bloody, mm -hmm. but it was still a beautiful war. But because they had both of their defenses on point, I feel like it was a war we could enjoy. Obviously, they got hurt a little bit, but. You know, it's why Golovkin was able to fight up until the age of 40. Canelo could probably go out and do the same. I mean, this is what I, I believe I can do, what I hope I can do, because I can't tell the future, but... Well, not, I'm not talking about their level. I'm talking about just being able to fight and have these spectacular fights, have even some wars, but without, like, fucking up my head as well. It's, uh, it's definitely something uh, I think about subconsciously, you know. If you don't, then you're very naive to the sport. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it in like former fighters and everything, and it's very sad. It's, yeah, it's, it's the side of the sport that no one really truly understands. And you know, if you've got loved ones around you and something bad happens, the rest of your life that you're living it affects not just you but everyone around you. Is it is tough, and the stuff that's happened with Conor Ben, obviously, you know. Chris Eubank Jr. going in with a rehydration clause really could have been 
really, really sad news for Chris Eubank Sr. after him already losing a son. So I'm glad that fight didn't go ahead. Yeah, that sounded sound like a dangerous one with uh, everything involved, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, just got to be safe out there, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. And um, I look forward bro. to having you on after all your trips to Thailand and US. Yeah, I hope uh, I have something actually to bring you, you know. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's a pleasure to be on here, man. Um, I love what you're doing with the podcast and everything. All the different people you have on here, just bringing knowledge to the audience, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers, bro.